This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your temporary host, Samuel Claiborne, filling in for Damon while he hosts our Gamescom show in Germany. Uh, joining me this week here in the San Francisco office studio, uh, I'd add a bank of pinball machines to make it look more like my garage cade, but it's industry legend Cat Bailey. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? And uh, joining us uh, remotely is uh, Justin Davis. Scoop, cat, cat. They can't answer you, by the way. We don't know. We're not gonna. We don't know how they're doing. We're just gonna have to assume that they're doing great. <laughs> and uh, returning champion, twenty questions answerer, Colin. Oh, guten Tag. <laughs> I say I'm not in Germany. I'm in Colorado. Now all the German things are happening, though. Um, we've got a great show for you this week. We'll be discussing a very special GoldenEye uh, Nintendo 64 anniversary. It's been 25 years. I can't believe it. Uh, some games we've been playing, uh, uh, and we're also going to play 20 Questions, of course. But first, let's talk about all the cool stuff we've been reporting on from Gamescom. Now, this year's the home team, so we've been hearing a lot from, about what's going on on the show floor there. And then yesterday, there was an opening night live um, thing where we got to watch a bunch of trailers and gameplay and stuff like that. And there's been a lot of follow ups to that today. So I just wanted to go down the list of what I presume to be the, um, let's call them Scoopy games, because I think Damon would call them Damie games, but he's not here. And I think they're the games that maybe the audience would care about the most. And uh, I think we're all going to have uh, some highlights from the show. But I wanted to kick it off. Uh, it's hard. It was hard to find a kickoff, you know, because like there wasn't a bunch of highs that were really obvious. There was a bunch of mediums, I'd say, for this show. So one of those mediums was uh, the Dead Island 2 uh, announcement, uh, uh, or well, actually kind of reveal. It was, re- it was announced in uh, 2014. It's been a while. Um, but uh, that game is coming out uh, February 2nd, 2023, adding to a big list of 2023 open world games. Um, but uh, it was a uh, it was a uh, ultra violent, I would call it. What do we all think of this one? Cat? Wow. I'm just surprised that it's finally happening. It's been, what, 10 years or so that this game has been under development. When we were talking about Dead, I- Dead Island 2, there was actually kind of some surprise that it was happening at all. So... Mm-hmm been through three developers at this point and it looks fine for uh, what it was I, I think that people were pointing out that the uh the character in the cg trailer uh looked almost bored when they were uh actually killing the monsters which uh doesn't really match with the vibe of dead island maybe mm-hmm. and then when uh they said we're gonna, we're gonna show you some gameplay but it was very quick cuts i know kind of i noticed that it was like yeah. oh let's, let's see some gameplay then it was like Here's one second of game. That's a montage. Yeah. We don't call yeah. that game. That's not gameplay. 
There's some things that are going to freeze frame to, to see some gameplay. <laughs> and they were cool. They were, they were spattery. Yeah, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Colin. Okay, well, just just sort of piggybacking off of what Kat, say, Kat was saying, like, I feel like being blasé about the zombie apocalypse has become, like, a weird subgenre mm. at this point. And I find it really boring. Like, I, I, like it's cute the first couple of times, but I'm, I'm at the point where it's just like, if it's a zombie apocalypse, like, let it be a zombie apocalypse. But, you want no. the panic. Oh, I want the panic. Mm-hmm. I want the fear. I want, yeah, I want all of it. <laughs> I think the I think the re-reveal of the game looked really cool. Like I think the gameplay looks really fun. I I don't necessarily understand the goodwill that like like the first Dead Island has like a seventy nine on Metacritic, which is mm-hmm. good. Like it's very good, but it's not like a beloved like what like what made this game have so much staying power over the last decade, and what other game has there ever been a game that's gone through so much development hell that's like come out of it and been really, really great and really, really excellent, like, or, or that switched developers, you know, wholesale mm-hmm. a couple different times. So I was impressed with what they showed off. Like if this, if this game didn't have that history and I saw this trailer, I'd be like, wow, that looks really shocking and compelling and interesting and fun. But um, just the, the, the hype levels for this kind of kept caught me off guard a little bit. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure how this game has managed to punch through, but um you know punch well through team, like zombie faces ah. there you go. Um, i think that's a really good point it's kind of funny because you could call this like basically dead anything and like the last thing i'd call it is dead island because it looks like it takes well we know it takes place in los angeles of course there are there are islands yeah. uh, adjacent to los angeles but it's just kind of weird it is weird Very to close. brand it that way right famously not came... an island la <laughs> yet you could just go over to catalina just yeah. let's let this be um well, never mind. I was about to do a spoiler for something, but we can skip past that. A spoiler for a previous Dead Island game? A previous no. zombie game. Oh, no. oh I know where you're spoiler. going with that. Maybe yeah. a game that might end on an island. Um, yes. Uh, so uh, I wanted to read a quote here about the gore. Um, so our own Matt Perslow uh, previewed and played 20 minutes of uh, Dead Island. He claims it's real. Uh, I, I believe him. He says, uh, but fueling all of this splatter is a bespoke system. Damn Buster, the developer, calls Flesh, F-L-E-S-H. That stands for <laughs> Fully Located Evisceration <laughs> System for Humanoids. Oh, my God. That's so, right. A bespoke Do you remember, uh, do you remember what I... Mm-hmm. System, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. amazing. <laughs> it's a, yeah, so good, good acronyming uh. there. Uh, and then he also, he mentions a few things that it can do, but it's like, it procedurally shreds zombies with each strike. It was definitely worth the development time and effort. He says, at least in the short term, the copious amounts of wet, chunky gore proves incredibly entertaining. Right. On more than a couple gore. of occasions, I have, I have to pause and just laugh off a new ridiculous mess I've made. And then he says, you can even tear the undead apart with your bare hands, courtesy of Fury Mode, an ultimate-like ability powered by, and I, I'm going to redact why it's powered, because it seemed like a, actually kind of a story spoiler. Um, and, you know, Scoop Nation doesn't need to hear that. But um, I think they were, like, during the Gamescom stream, there were certain things they were showing, which they, like, censored. Did you notice that? And I think that's might have mm. been what it was. But then, like, there was another game that they showed where, like, there was like a decapitation and then somebody reaching down the corpse's neck. And I was just like, couldn't really tell what the rules were for gore in that stream. <laughs> but here we Do are. Do you remember um, some months ago we were discussing the Dead Space remake and I told you my favorite thing in the world and it's still my favorite thing in the world. And it's when you reverse engineer an acronym to make it spell <laughs> out whatever the hell you want it to spell out. And yeah. so we've done oh, it again with flesh. That's right. You're I was going to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit lukewarm on dead uh, Island too. And not, and not, it's nothing to do with the game. It's just not a Justin game. And, um, but knowing that they reverse engineered a ridiculous acronym and it makes me, it endears the game more to me. Yeah. Love it. Maybe it'll be in future games too. Now that they've developed the system. Yeah. Uh, actually, <laughs> we can only hope this, this series is famous for marketing stunts. Uh, I look, you know, so there was dead space and then there was riptide was the sequel to, to dead space already. So this is kind of a third dead dead, Island. Or, sorry. Yes. Dead Island. Sorry. So many deads, <laughs> um, but yes, dead Island riptide, uh, was the game that had the, um, like horrible looking tr- 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 trophy, uh, 
pack in that was like a, yeah. a torso. And uh, it was like limitedly released, but also like apologized for and stuff like that. So no, no strangers <laughs> to, uh, to uh, bizarre marketing twists. Um, all right, let's move on. So uh, next game uh, I wanted to talk about here is Where Winds Meet. That's coming from um, Everstone Studios, a uh, 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 kind of up and comer there. Um, we showed a lot more of that game on our post show, so check that out. Uh, there's you know a big trailer, and then we talked about it on our... Um, uh, uh, anyway, I, I wanted to quote Matt Kim and, and what he was writing about uh, this game to kick it off. He says... Uh, uh, the trailer, which showcased numerous elements like travel, combat, stealth, and more, might seem overwhelming. That's because the developers prioritize players' freedom above all else. I like that because that confirmed, and he confirmed this several times in his coverage of this game, that it is definitely an open-world game with lots of options, which is like, you know, when you look at this, it's, ar it's already impressive in so many ways. Yeah, I think it looks uh, a little bit better even than Ghost of Tsushima in some mm -hmm. ways. Um Certainly when the character is walking through the villages, as we're seeing in the B-roll uh, right now, it's quite a lovely looking, I, I want to say Ghost of Tsushima by way of, say, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon or Hero mm -hmm. or things like mm -hmm. that. So. Yeah, incredible like kind of mud and, and, and wetness effects. And then there is, they showed the Ghost of Tsushima, I think one of the reasons this is getting comparisons besides you know, martial arts and stuff like that, is that they showed these like amazing composed scenes of like sunset and grass and wind and uh, nature. And, and, and like, I, I can use more games like that always. I think it looks so cool. Like, I love this vision or this, we just, we don't get enough sort of, well, we're getting more and more every day, but just big AAA Chinese game development. Like, you know, we've been seeing games made from Japan and America and Western Europe our entire lives. And then every once in a while, there's a studio in China or South America or someone that shows us like, it's like it's some completely new, crazy, like it's an open world action game, right? Like we've played games like this before, but they have their own spin on it, their own take on it. They're taking inspiration from what these uh, other cultures have made and sort of putting their own twist on it. It looks really, really cool and makes me a lot more excited about this than I would if it were being made by, um, you know, by a studio that I knew more, honestly. Like, I hope it gives them the creative freedom to, um, you know, just to put their own unique spin on things. Is this a Justin game? Um, not traditionally, but, like, the trailer really won me over. Um, did you play I Ghost? I can't looks... remember. Mm -hmm, I did. Um, you know, I did the same thing I do in a lot of open world games where I played it for 15 or 20 hours and then said, okay, like, I get it. Mm -hmm. I've had enough. I think it's been a long time since I, like, played an open world game, like, end to end. I usually get a little bit bored of them before, um, before, like, the game is still going before my, and the, but then my patience is run out. Right. Ghost of Tsushima was one of the worst games that I really enjoyed ever. <laughs> it was one of the worst <laughs> games that you enjoyed? Yeah, no, I, whenever I was playing it, I was like, wow, the, the stealth in this game is deeply silly. It feels oh. very outdated. I didn't think that, I thought the combat was not that great. Ultimately, mm. it was gorgeous. It was a beautiful game. I thought the, the story was, was, was quite basic. Yeah. Ultimately, I was not invested in the main character. And a lot of me was just like, well, this is well produced, but I don't understand why it's getting the amount of love that it's actually getting. But it was enough that I wanted to keep going, mm -hmm. which I think is a big mark in its favor because <laughs> I will bounce off a game pretty hard if um, if I'm not feeling it. So um, I feel like that game was like a chain of sunsets to me, and I just wanted to see the next one over and over again. It was so so pretty. When you but... wake up and he's petting the horse, or mm -hmm. he's like sitting and meditating or something. It was cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. the that. haikus were nice. I, I don't know. I, I liked I liked seeing that world, and there was a few things I liked probing the world in, but I did get frustrated while playing it. But overall, I liked it. Um, one interesting thing about uh, Where Winds Meet is that it's only been announced for PC. That doesn't mean it's only coming to PC, but it's only been announced for PC at this time. Mm, so stay tuned on that one. Um, also, you got to shout out that there's not only a vicious bear attack in this, but a vicious goose attack, <laughs> which I thought was really oh. great for our, our goose fans of the, of the show. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. 
That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is a topic that I think uh, w was kind of surprising. There's a bunch of adventure games in this uh, broadcast. So uh, we got uh, Under the Waves from uh, that's being published by Quantic Dream, but not, not developed by them. That, that's an important mm. distinction there, um, which looks really cool. I don't, it, that one is the one that's set in the 70s. It's set underwater. It had like its own kind of um, uh, aesthetic to it. Uh, I think it looks looks really interesting. Um, I always worry about the underwater level is always my least favorite level in a game. So I, um, I have a little bit of bias against uh, underwater games. But uh, we described this in our article. Matt Purcell describes it as um, un under the waves follows Stan, an oil company diver in the 1970s who is exploring the depths of the North Sea. Underwater exploration will take you to caves and wrecks as well as showcases marine wildlife. Uh, while beneath the waves, Stan experiences a strange series of events that forces him to face isolation and grief and to ultimately decide if he wants to return to the surface world. He can't just stay down there, first of all, from what I understand. You know, like Stan, just, you have to come back sometime. <laughs> yeah, come back sometime. Um, but there's that game. Uh, and then the ones that need, I don't think, any explanation, uh, Return to Monkey Island and then Tales from the Borderlands 2. So any of these games appeal to y'all? I think absolutely yes. Uh, all I mean, all three are very much Justin games. I love. I mean, you know, Tales from the Borderlands is one of those things that I just made my peace with. You, you know, it's over. It's done with. It's a perfect, not a perfect piece of media, but it's like it's might be my favorite thing that Telltale ever made. It's just so underrated. If you haven't played it, mm. you're going to be so much more enamored and love those characters and that story so much more than you think you're going to. And then, you know, Telltale blew up and Borderlands went in a different direction. I said, oh, like, we're never going to get more of that again. And so um, really, really excited to see that come back. Um, you know, obviously, the more contemplative adventure games we're getting with uh, Under the Waves, you know, that also looks like my jam, you know, a very different speed. So um, I liked the diversity in gameplay and that, you know, everything, it, we did get a lot of, like, MMO Destiny-like shooters. And we did get a lot of like third-person action-adventure games, but we also got more games like this, too. It's great. It's really cool. All three um, I'm really excited for. Nice. Any other excitement for... Uh, this is not in a Monkey, I Monkey Island group I'm taking it, because I, I didn't play Monkey Island games. Anybody here play them? 
Well, we need. Well, was it Ryan McCaffrey who's yeah, a big? Yeah, he is Island the biggest fan? Monkey Island fan. Mm. I so there's been a lot of discussion about Monkey Island's art style. Yes. Uh, to the point that Looks people were actively harassing Ron Gilbert, which I I heard think it was that. a big problem. But watching the trailer, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the heart horse armor gag. I mean, that was great. I forgot about that. Funny. Yeah, it's a very Monkey Island thing to reference DLC from a DLC joke from what seventeen years ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. That was an oblivion <laughs> thing, oblivion. <laughs> I think. But I mean, come on, who is he marketing to? Old people like me who played yeah. uh, Oblivion back in the day. So, or Monkey Island in this case. This is part of um, the Lucas Disney uh, uh, publishing situation at mm. this point, which is I think is really interesting. And so it's kind of back. You know, this this game started on the. Um, LucasArts, uh, you know, that was a famous LucasArts game, an original one, you know, from the, the early era. And now it's kind of back under that umbrella, which is cool after bouncing around for a while. And so, like, you know, this is kind of kind of a Disney game that's coming out. And I think that's a really neat thing to uh, return it's to a- the, the graphics very, very quickly. Uh, it's not a new thing for Monkey Island to experiment with its graphics. Uh, so the first two games had a particular look, very cartoony. And then uh, the third game mm-hmm. went was trying to be almost like a Disney movie mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, Secret of Monkey Island, or the the fourth game that came out. It's always Curse. something of Monkey Island. Something it seems of Monkey like. Island. Something. I, I think the fourth one again changed up the art style, so it's not that surprising to me. And uh, hot take: I, I think that this is my favorite of the of the art styles mm-hmm. it's yeah. lovely yeah. i think like there there's like the crux of the complaints was like you know why can't it look like these old games and, and, and presumably even pixelated which, which i always like i mean I, of course i like it when so things you want it are to look like retro. it looked like in 1990 i mean come on but it's it's not it doesn't always have to be it doesn't if it does if the creator doesn't think it adds to the game to like look retro then like what's the real point of that like it it, it the game is not spent, supposed to look like an old game it's supposed to look like a pirate game like i get it yeah that's exactly the point that ron gilbert made too is he's like look like the pixel art style of the first two games that's just that was all we had (laughs) that was the only way you could make a video game look like it wasn't a stylistic choice and to make it to ape that style now in 2022 would be a stylistic choice which is you know fine if that's what you're trying to do but if you're also just trying to make a game that uses you know modern technology like that's what Monkey Island 1 or 2 was, and that's what, um, you know, this new sort of version of Monkey Island 3 is intended to be, um, which I think is a really compelling argument. Like, when I look at the art style of the new game, I, I'm not enamored with it, but um, but I'm also not going to go <laughs> harass anybody on Twitter over it. And um, <laughs> and frankly, that's not what I'm here for in these games anyway. Like, I'm here for the atmosphere and the writing and the sillies and um, just all the unexpected, like, just zaniness that I am very very confident is going to be is going to spring from the mind of ron gilbert you're here all right so we are at the point where i want to hear from you all on the things that we haven't mentioned yet there was a lot of stuff that was mentioned in owen l yesterday a few things between now and then uh let's go around so cat what did you want to bring to scoop this week and talk about from uh, gamescom uh i want to talk about is it called lies of p lies of p lies oh, of p. evil oh pinocchio God. game pinocchio by way of bloodborne mm-hmm. and <laughs> it looks better than it has any right to be, mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily stand out as a Pinocchio game. Oh no, Pinocchio is hot. I think I saw somewhere. Where do you? <laughs> oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's a twist. I think, it's, I think, I think um, that's what Polygon said. Uh, but we we've seen Jiminy Cricket and Geppetto in there yeah. somewhere. So it's, Pinocchio's in the zeitgeist for some reason. L- lots of people doing Pinocchio stories. I have. Absolutely no idea why. Uh, Bloodborne was one of my my favorite games when I was playing it uh, mm-hmm. earlier this year. Uh, distinct art style. I have no idea why it's going to be a Pinocchio game, but Lies of P, unexpected winner of Opening Night Live. Mm. Agreed. I, I'm not I'm not positive on this one, but I believe this is a um, Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey situation. Mm. I, I believe that it's public domain now. Anybody so can Pinocchio everyone... it up. Yeah, I think that's basically what's going on here. But no, it does, like obviously you see the trailer and you're like, yeah, this definitely looks a lot like Bloodborne. And then we had, I believe, 12 minutes of it on our live show for Gamescom, and it is 1,000% Bloodborne. It is even down to the UI. Yep. it is Bloodborne. Yep. Yeah, it even has the white dot that you you know attach mm-hmm. to things, and then like when you pick up stuff, it makes a similar noise. 
Uh, but I will say I watched that whole gameplay segment and what it doesn't have, at least in the in the gameplay I saw, is like anywhere near the kind of D&D level of equipping complexity. It has like kind of a different situation for that, like kind of a more of a, I would say like a God of War level complexity for, you know, upgrading weapons and stuff like that, which I think could be a good thing personally. Yeah. I mean, the secret sauce is the complexity. <laughs> you like the complexity, I yeah? Know. Because you sit, you you can sit here. First of all, you can break the system. Yeah, right? you can break right. the difficulty by just leveling up a lot, and true, it makes it a lot more manageable, a lot more bearable. Plus, it's also fun to share all of the builds and everything, figure mm-hmm. everything out. You you strip that kind of away. And well, that that happens from one character, I guess, too, huh? Because you don't have the class systems necessarily, or we don't, we don't really know, I guess. But like, you can't be, you know a whole range of characters because you're playing a character. I, presumably there's a story and stuff like that too, huh? There's a reason though, that funny. they, there's a reason that they have been putting RPG elements in everything. Mm-hmm. It's because people want mm-hmm. complexity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they should well, put funny, cheat with codes. The arm, yeah. With the arm, uh, it's almost like taking that a little bit from Sekiro too. So it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm just going to take a little bit of FromSoft stuff, you know, from everywhere. Um, but I do want to. I do want to issue a uh, correction. I just looked this up. Uh, apparently, Pinocchio has been in the public domain since 1940. So I have no <laughs> idea why in the hell Pinocchio. Yeah, is I mean, I think that's why, like Walt Disney was into it too. It's just like you know, it's free. Free. Got to do this. Yeah. Just like Little Mermaid or anything. Like a lot of those are, are, are public domain fairy tales. I mean, Cinderella, right? Um, yeah, that that's really funny. But but why in the zeitgeist, as, as you pointed out, is is the strange question there. Um, okay, uh, Colin, what, what do you got? Um, so mine is actually not a game. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is the uh, DualSense Edge. Mm-hmm. The basically, Edge. Basically uh, the PS5 Pro Controller. Um, and it's interesting because I've never thought about controllers too, too much. Like I like them or I dislike them. And then um, I got my Series X and I decided to get the um, Elite Series 2 controller with it and that thing is amazing i love it mm-hmm. the back paddles in particular are like an absolute game changer and i'm not even like a competitive um gamer so that's not really what's important there but it's just like just adding that sort of customizability um to things and like you know changing like resistance on sticks and stuff like that like just really changes how everything feels and the thing looks really nice like it looks premium and uh the thing is the dual sense is already like a really good controller um the funny thing is my only real complaint with it is um it's a little bit bulky um I, my hands are not huge um so mm. sometimes it feels a little bit hard to to get my hands around and this i think will probably have about the same form factor so it's not gonna fix my one actual issue with the controller but um i am very excited for it i uh i'm definitely gonna get one more they kind of artificially bulked up the uh, well, maybe it's artificial the, the Dual Sense controller to make it more of that Xbox contour instead of that kind of mm-hmm. um, that thinner uh, insect-like contour of the previous yeah. Dual Axis and stuff like that, right? We're, we're slowly getting back to Dual the Duke. <laughs> we oh, no. are. Mm-hmm. It's like a little inflator is on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Every generation, someone does another pump into the into the inflator yeah. mm-hmm. until it bursts, right? Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah. Justin, did you have any uh, any highlights that you wanted to bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, so I couldn't watch opening light night live live. I had to catch up on it today. And my first observation was like, this Gamecom seems really, really packed in general. So rather than sort of highlighting a specific game, just generally speaking, it's like, holy crap, like this is dozens and dozens mm-hmm. of games. And they're not just, I mean, there was a lot of like sort of trailers. It's just a logo, but a lot of like gameplay and stuff that's clearly far along in development. Um, and my other observation is I was really pleased to see how much was um, new names and new games from new studios. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all sequel after sequel after sequel, right. which, you know, I've already shouted out a couple sequels that I'm really excited about. But anytime it's something brand new, new characters, new world, new lore, new IP, like that's really, really exciting to me. And so stuff like the first Descendant from Nexon or Ravenbound from, um, uh, it was a studio I didn't recognize. I made a note here. It's 
from Systemic Reaction, which is listed as an Avalanche Studios group mm. studio. So, mm. you know, I, I actually, take that for what you will. And games like Word Song and like the list goes on and on of just new IP, new stuff. Like that was what I was so that was what really jumped out at me. It's like we're far enough into this console generation now where I finally feel like this stuff that people have been kind of heads down on for like you know, probably two or three years or more is like finally coming to fruition. So that's, that's a really, really exciting time where the gen's not like new anymore. Um, and that's great to see. Yeah. A couple thoughts on that front. Um, I still think that the gen will truly get underway when unreal engine five mm-hmm. really becomes widespread. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and my other thought is, I mean, if we're talking about a lot of these games, even though they were new names, new IPs, they're based on very conventional ideas, like uh, the, the wind game. It's like Ghost of Tsushima, but it's in medieval China. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. Ravenbound. It looks like Skyrim, and it's a roguelite, and also it has some deck-building aspects, and you fly around. And it's like, let's just bring together these ideas that have mm-hmm. become very widespread and very popular and just kind of uh, jumble them together into into something new. Or just like take a popular yeah. game and put it into a different setting. A lot of fantasy games, I mean, no one, a lot of sci-fi games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of fantasy and sci-fi. And I mean, no one's going to jump out of their chair faster and more excitedly than me when we get like the next Super Mario Odyssey. Like I'm a sucker for sequels and nostalgia too, but like just new stuff. I'm always yeah. most excited to see like some game really break through and say, oh man, like I've never seen that before. And that's always a really exciting moment of Gamescom yeah. or any other show. Justin, I, I did, wanna, did you did you uh, see the Subnautica creator game that's like a paint paint like your, your little what's it called yeah with Brand, with brandon sanderson yeah. doing the lore mm-hmm. um man that dude just doesn't sleep i guess <laughs> um the one i really wanted to shout out i don't know if we had the b-roll handy is friends versus friends did you guys oh see yeah this one? that was funny <laughs> um the gameplay is crazy it's like some card based first person shooter but as like it, the trailer is two parts it's sort of um the a cinematic trailer in the first half yeah it's just, it's the most beautiful thing, and it couldn't be more like speaking to me personally from ah. the VO to the style. And it was just, it was so cool. Um, and then, you know, and then it cut to the gameplay, and I'm like, mm, I don't know if this is for me after all, but just as a mood piece, um, it was just, it was just perfect. Yeah. I think what what's interesting to me is a lot of these games strike me as almost like, double a in in like budget at the very least mm-hmm. um which is really exciting because it felt like double a style games you know something that's bigger than a really low budget indie game but definitely smaller than like you know a first party triple a game mm-hmm. was kind of falling by the wayside and it feels like they're starting to sort of rebound which is really exciting for me agreed yeah um, man, the animation in this trailer was so cool, and it, I'm now remembering the contrast between that and the gameplay as we watch it. Totally right. Um, all right, so uh, I, I should also shout out, uh, if Damon was here, I'm sure he would bring up uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, that <laughs> game's uh, 3v7, you know, asymmetrical, multiplayer, asymmetrical multiplayer is like, you know, it's a... It's, it, it, I, it, well, I heard from our uh, attendees of Gamescom, actually, it was the biggest cheer in the room. First of all, w- during uh, the opening night live uh, performance, but um, or whatever we call it, the show. But uh, 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 on Damon's uh, recap of the show, he mentioned that the brothers that made the movie that this is based on, it's based on a 1988 horror movie, also did the Large Marge sequence in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, <laughs> oh which is very memorably scary. So I think yeah, that was it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, this game probably is going to be, you know. Uh, as good, I hope, as as Friday the 13th with Peach. People adore, from what I understand. Not really a game I'd play, but uh, it's a very cool theme to see come back to a game about, you know, uh, killing your friends. It was it was funny to me because I'm on, I'm on the social team, and this was by far the biggest thing on Facebook from all of the announcements, which yeah. I was kind of expecting because Facebook just skews older. Um, our, our sort of barometer for it is like, if we think that our dads would be interested in this, then we should post it on Facebook. Um, but it's also by far the most popular thing from the show on TikTok, which is definitely our youngest, um, platform for social, um, like by far the most popular thing that we've done. And it's just like, I don't know if (laughs) these kids have heard of killer clowns. I don't know if it's just a fun concept to them. Sam, you brought something up (laughs) earlier. Do you like my explanation? Yeah. Your explanation was great. 
Well, yeah, Colin and I were in a meeting and talking about this, and I just I remembered that there was um, uh, uh, kind of news coverage of kids being kids, actual children in real life being scared of killer clowns about, I don't know when it was. I should have looked it up before the show. I didn't think we'd, we'd talk about it, but it was like five or six years ago or something. So, like, kids actually, there was like this weird, like, media panic about. Yeah. Clowns yeah. appearing and it scaring just, children. It was Actual just clown before, villains. Yeah. It was just before COVID, and then it turned out there was a <laughs> pandemic, and then nobody cared about the weird clowns that were like wandering around small towns. There you oh. go. Yeah. They lived. They lived through the actual killer clowns. Mm-hmm. Now they want. This, now they want a game about it. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating that there's this U-shaped curve of interest <laughs> for killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, because Twitter was pretty like whatever about it. <laughs> Twitter's like right between the two. So, so you know, I guess you're you're about people who are about thirty mm-hmm. don't care too much. People who are older than that care a lot. People who are younger than that care a lot. That's a sweet spot. All right. So uh, one uh, little tidbit that came out of uh, uh, Gamescom so far is that Gotham Knights was actually moved up. It was not delayed. It was moved uh, to a sooner to to today release date of October 21st. It was the 25th. Um, That led me to look at uh, our current standings for release dates, of which uh, this is where they stand right now. Let me just go down them. Um, So Q1. Uh, we have uh, in January, uh, January 23rd is going to be Dead Space Remake. Uh, Forspoken is January 24th, so those are basically right on top of each other. We also, you can see a lot of Forspoken at Gamescom this year. Dead Island 2 is now on uh, February 3rd, so those are about a week apart. And then Hogwarts Legacy has been delayed to February 10th, so that's all happening. And then Res- and we, there's a pretty big jump after that to Resident Evil 4 Remake March 24th. So that's a lot of Q1 stuff. We also know that Killer Clowns and Midnight Suns are also coming in that time. In so, theory. <laughs> so that's all Q1. Wow. Midnight Suns that's may crazy. come out. We'll see. That's true. That's a favorite game for, for people to delay right now. It's They just love delaying <laughs> that game. And then uh, Q2, uh, we all know, has some crazy stuff. Uh, this is technically first half of the year stuff, but that's Breath of the Wild 2, Suicide Squad, Killed Justice League, and Starfield. So some of did those you, games probably come out. Did you say Final Fantasy 16 in there? No. They no, said first half for that one. Is that right? I, th- I think it's early. I think you're right. That might just be in my mind. I might just really. There's a lot of speculation that Jedi Fallen Order will be coming out in that kind of time frame right? as well. That seems like the right time for it, too. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I think that we're all just kind of biding our time until Breath of the Wild 2 and Starfield next year. <laughs> I agree. And like whatever comes out before those games, I will play. Whatever comes out during those games release dates, I just that don't the, stand a chance of playing it. Yeah. Biggest question mark, I think, is Hogwarts Legacy. Mm-hmm. That game could either be outstanding or really horrible, and I don't think there's mm-hmm. uh, going to be an in-between for that one. Yeah. Um, the, the new trailer was funny to me because the last big thing of gameplay we got, one of the students used um, Avada Kedavra, which is the, the killing curse, and it's like, okay, so we've got, <laughs> we've got kids murdering now. And then the new trailer, they were using Crucio, which is the torturing spell. Um, and there's only one other forbidden spell that they haven't shown yet, which is the Imperious Curse, which is where you like can control something. Um, and like throughout the history of Harry Potter, usually they had it to do pe- have people like off themselves or do really horrible crimes and stuff. And it's just like this is getting really dark really fast. Yeah, I, the new trailer being focused on sort of all that dark magic was interesting to me. I mean, to me, this like ticks every single box for like if you were like a kid like dreaming up a harry potter game it'd be like learn whatever spells you want and have like choice of how to develop your character and i want it to be open world and i want to attend classes and like i want it to tell like an original story and not like rehash the stories of the movies it's like it's ticking every single box for like a big triple a big budget harry potter game i think cat's right that like you know we'll see how it shakes out but um, but I think that they're sort of, you know, hitting all the right notes, at least in the run up to launch. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I'm hopeful too. And we'll see if it hits that February 10th release date. Let's talk about what we've been playing. We have a lot of overlap, but Justin, I just saw you holding a play date before this. Have you been playing that? Yeah, I am playing the play date. Is this, um, is this your, what sh- you've been playing? Oh. Uh, it can be. I'm trying. Got my cameras all mirrored. Um, yeah. So the interesting thing about the play date, if you haven't seen one, I won't do like a whole demo. But it's this little handheld games console with a monochrome black and white screen, 
and it has a little crank and most of the games are crank controlled um most of them i I, I thought they'd all be like d-pad button and then that would just be a a novelty yeah i mean the irony is that my favorite game so far is actually not crank based um and you when you (laughs) (laughs) when you set it up um you punch in your wi-fi and then every week two new games just show up Mm -hmm. and there's a whole season of games i don't know how many it is total and so that's that's like it's such a clever, like if it just came loaded with 36 games or whatever it is, I feel like I would like it so much less than sort of being drip fed them kind of slowly and steadily over time. Um, and so there's a good and bad side to that. Like, it's really fun. Like there's actually a little uh, animation to like unwrap them. And so it's very pleasing, like, Ooh, what are my new games this week? But, but I actually didn't like the first two games that it came with. Like the week one games didn't speak to me. And so this thing's kind of expensive. And then I had these two games that I didn't like. And I was like, oh, great. Okay, I guess that's my play date. But now it's been 10 or 12 weeks. And uh, there's several games on the thing that I really, really like. Cool. They're all very clever and kind of arcade based. It's really cute. Um, I actually wasn't going to use it for that smart thing I'm playing. But no, maybe we can fine. come back to me. We can come back to me at the end if there's time for me to go through one more. All right. Kat, what have you been playing? I've been playing Cult of the Lamb. Mm-hmm which uh, you gave me a code for it. I got it on Nintendo Switch. And I, I like me a good roguelite. And mm-hmm. I, I like good 2D mm-hmm. uh, graphics and sprite work. And uh, I think that this kind of ticks a lot of those boxes. And then, uh, so a lot of these roguelites love to have kind of a settlement building aspect or whatever, yeah. because that's the, the permanent part of the game that continues for you and after you die. Mm-hmm. And... This one goes a lot more, a lot more into that specific thing. Right, it's, it's heavier on the sim, than, yeah, or it's about equal almost to the to the kind of the, the hacky slashy roguelite and then the the sim. So like, if you compare it to Hades, mm-hmm. in Hades, it's just all about okay, but like I'm getting right into mm-hmm. right back in into it. Yes, there are cool storytelling aspects. There are definitely I'm leveling myself up. I'm opening new things, mm-hmm. but. The main event is definitely when I'm out there. I sort of feel like the town building is almost the main event in Cult of the Lamb, mm-hmm. where you're getting these followers and you're like deciding where you're going to put them in yep. an almost kind of a real-time strategy aspect of it. They, You can read their minds and you'll be trying to figure out like, okay, but are they turning against you or something mm-hmm. and turning your followers against you? And you can do real mean things to them if they do. Yeah. So to, if you haven't got to see this game at all, um, you're seeing it now. Um, it it is dark. It has a, a very interesting set of um, kind of in-game universe, uh, you know, values and aesthetics and stuff. That's all about uh, a death cult, a cult of of of, of uh, followers that will murder for you, that you have to murder for, and you sacrifice animals. It's all very cute animals. But also, that, that, you're a lamb. Yes, and you're a little lamb. Um, that has a very, very determined look while killing things. Um, but yeah, you go, you go to these randomized dungeons, you fight big bosses, you come back with the resources and, and you run your cult. Um, it doesn't pull punches. It has a lot of like, whoa, I can't believe that just happened uh, moments in it. And um, I, I just I haven't found anything in the game yet that's that makes me want to put it down or that I wouldn't recommend to anybody. I think it's so playable and interesting and fun and kind of came out of nowhere for me. I wasn't paying attention to it, so... Highly yeah. recommend. Yeah, it reminds we, me, the art style reminds me a little bit of Invader Zim, I mm-hmm. suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big heads, right? Big heads. Little bodies. Mm-hmm. Kind of cute, but also extremely dark and violent, mm-hmm. as you yeah. were just explaining. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kat, how is the uh, Switch port or version exp- mm. like specifically? Yeah, no, it's interesting because I kind of wanted, I sort of want to play it on PC or, or Xbox or something. Because while it's right. fine on Nintendo Switch... I, I'm kind of detecting uh, almost like frame rate hitches. I don't know if that's like kind of my imagination. And also the loading times are you're not unbearable, but they are a they bit They shouldn't longer. exist, first of all. Loading times like on a, yeah. on a thing that's, that's you know, loaded into your system memory are ridiculous. Um, I, I know what you mean. I can't, I have no point of comparison. And I think, it, you know, uh, it feels like it was made for Switch. It doesn't feel like it was like, you know, stunted for switch or anything like that. So mm. I think okay. it's so, yeah. total. I would, I would recommend it on switch or steam deck. Yeah. I, I almost kind of want to play it on steam deck, but 
it's fine on switch like i yeah. i am enjoying it just fine on switch yeah. yeah and it's like twitchy action based stuff like you have, you yeah. do a lot of it's that type of new combat which came out of you know a, a few indie games and dark souls games where you roll a lot yeah but the the dodge rolling it's a little awkward because the the, the rooms are quite small mm-hmm. right so you're and then you do these very long dodge rolls and mm-hmm. so i almost feel like um I'm rolling right into enemies, especially when uh, they're kind of around right. me and everything. Yeah. Um, but you get magic spells, so you get like tentacles and, and fire bolts and whatnot, and th- that can be very helpful mm-hmm. for clearing out rooms too. And I really like the axe, slow but good crowd control. Good. Well, I definitely effect. don't like the dagger. It's too fast. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. like the dagger. I don't feel like, but so the axe is okay for me. And I like, I always want to get the sword. That's what I want to get. Mm. They randomize which weapons you get when you start out each combat scene. Um, okay, so Colin, you're still playing Xenoblade, I presume. Uh, yeah, so I actually just started Xenoblade. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm only like, I don't know, six or seven hours in, which is like one percent, <laughs> a very small, small part of the game. I think it's like 150 hours. A lot of people say. Oh my god, Chappy. <laughs> um, yeah. And 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 I I'm actually surprised because I um, Xenoblade fans, please don't hate me. I did not particularly like um, the original Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, I felt like it was really empty. Um, I didn't really gel with the story of how much I played of it. Um, and the combat, like though it was like deep, I never felt like I was doing it right. Um, like I, I never, I didn't lose battles or anything it just felt like there was parts of it that like i maybe didn't catch or or just wasn't remembering to do or what have you um this time around i feel like you know the the slow drip feed of you know introducing new um mechanics throughout a lot of the game um (laughs) acclimates you to it pretty well um and i actually i'm gonna pause you right there so cat those mechanics (laughs) Yeah. How long do those? How long do you learn those for? I mean, I'm only still in chapter three, but you know, chapter three is a good fifteen, twenty hours <laughs> in the game. You're still, you're definitely yeah. still learning mechanics. Uh, just yeah. unlocked a major system <laughs> in a, a very large battle, <laughs> boss battle, which completely changed the the flow of how I'm doing things. I, I will say that there, it's complex, but uh, not that complex, and I've been enjoying okay. kind of getting to learn. Yeah. Everything Some of these pieces, man. And I only wanted to cut you, cut you up, Colin. You, you could proceed now, but because Cat had mentioned to me, it's like oh, I'm about 15 hours in, still learning new systems. So it's funny. Yeah, to that yeah. no, it's it, it's it's um it's definitely manageable in that way. What I really like about it is um it, once you have the characters, you always have well, maybe not always, but you usually have at least six characters on the battlefield at the same time, which is a little chaotic, but like. You can switch between them on the fly, and what's kind of nice is, um, you know, it's a big open world, and you'll encounter things. You don't have to fight everything. You shouldn't fight everything, because then it'll turn into a three hundred hour game. <laughs> um, but uh, when you do decide to fight things, what I've been doing and I've really been enjoying is I will switch the person that I'm controlling between every battle. So every time I'm battling, it'll be like, you know, oh, now I'm a defender, now I'm a healer, now I'm oh. you know, an attacker. And so it's always like slightly different every time you're playing it. And when you're like one of the, you know, main attacking types, you know, oftentimes it's like your position uh, relative to your target is like really important for how much damage you're doing. Like some attacks do more damage when you attack on the side, some behind, some in the front. And so, um, you know, that's like way different than when you're defending and like your big thing is you're trying to aggro everybody and you're trying to get them to attack you the entire time. uh, And you're trying to get them to sort of face you directly um and so it, it it for i can imagine myself actually playing this for 150 hours i don't know if i'm going to um i usually like 50 hours is about when i start getting tired of a game um to be clear we'll you see. can you can clear the game in like 55 hours okay oh it's just okay. that there's you gotta find so... that run button there's so much content in this is game there? it's huge yeah. is there a run button <laughs> I have There's not an auto run it. button. I have not found it. Yeah, I, and I, I want there to be a run button. I want to move faster, for sure. Um, it's awful okay. when you find out there was a run button the whole time, but I, I don't know. I'm just I picking run button jokes. Because um, 
because I haven't done too many side quests yet, but I've heard the side quests are actually like pretty solid in this game. And so I don't necessarily want to skip all of them, but you know, I'm sure I'll get to a point, every game that's like a really long game, I'll do a lot of the side stuff. And then when I start feeling like a little bit of like, mm, I kind of want to move on, usually then I'll mainline it. Um, so if I could mainline this in like mm, 60 hours, mm-hmm. okay. You got okay. this. I could, I, could, I, could, I could do this. I yeah. want a full report on my desk next Thursday. No. <laughs> oh God. Oh no. Uh-oh. Um that's what reviewing games is like, actually. It's actually come sometimes very scary when somebody's like, yeah, yeah this game could be about 100 hours long. You're like, I oh, just no. got 24 <laughs> hours and a weekend to complete it. Um, so, Justin, did you have another game to add? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'll be quick since I did the play date, too. Um, I've been really, really loving Arcade Paradise lately, which Dude, is... I got to play that game. It's sort of, Such yeah, it's game. very much... It, it's, 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 it's a little bit of like a Sam Claiborne simulator. Mm-hmm. Um where you the storyline of the game is really funny if you don't know what the game's about it's about building and running your own arcade and you choose how much the machines are going to cost and whether they're going to be set to easy medium or hard and where to position them in the arcade and and yada yada but the storyline is you inherit your uh dad's uh laundromat and there's like this crappy little dingy arcade machine in the corner and then like very slowly over time like i've been playing the game for like two weeks like the laundromat part gets smaller and smaller as you make more and more room for arcade machines but in the beginning of the game you like legit you just do laundry for like the first (laughs) week in the game and you have to do people's laundry and you have to like scrape the gum off Mm. the like you have to do laundry chores and then but then like the balance shifts and it becomes more and more arcade focused over time which i think is really clever um and the other thing that's special is it's all these fictional arcade games. There's 20 or 30 of them, and you can play all the arcade games. And so the game sort of positions itself as like build and run your own arcade. What it actually is is like a collection of um, pretty good mini games, like arcade mini games. Like it's got a take on um, Pac-Man and a take on you know all kinds of different stuff. And so that's what like it 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 it's interesting the game becomes a different thing than what it starts out as where it becomes just like well i'm just having fun playing all these sort of takes on old classic arcades i love it it's great you uh, would love it those how have i not it. gotten this game yet it's just such a me game it's such a you game yep. i've been recommended it to uh pairs loving it um those coin doors are triggering for me uh. <laughs> i'm excited <laughs> So let's quickly recognize the glory that was Goldeneye uh, 007, a game that came out 25 years ago for the Nintendo 64. It came out August 25th, 1997. That's two years after the movie premiere. So they got a cheap <laughs> license here, spent some time with it, and uh, I think everybody expected it to be a B game. If you uh, read uh, The Guardian's great piece on Goldeneye uh, this week, uh, I recommend, or uh, read it on any of um, historical pieces on it, you know, it, it took it took a small team a lot of work to make, and it's kind of a, a, a you know for them it was kind of a miracle success. They knew they had something special when they played the multiplayer for the first time with with each other. Um, IGN gave it a nine point seven at the time. Easy to remember because it came out in ninety seven. Um, it's, and uh, two quotes from that article from two different people, which is weird. One is from Doug Perry, who wrote the review. Goldeneye 007 is the best single-player first-person game on any system. So at that time, it contextualizes this as, like, you know, the best first-person game, period. And then Pear had a second take in that article, and he said, the best movie-to-game conversion yet. Because you have to, like, mm. think about it in that context, right? It was, like, an amazing licensed movie game, and it could have easily out, like, been a 2D platform. After the original movie, didn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, so it, just very, very goofy. Like that, that, that this is what came out of it. Um, so, Kat, you tell me that you have some experience with this and memories about. Oh yeah, it. I was playing a lot of Goldeneye when I was in middle school, and my main memories of it, I, my friend had it, and we started playing it. And I, I mean, at that time, first-person shooters on consoles were not a thing mm-hmm. because we had kind of come to think of you know, the Super Nintendo, like Doom and Wolfenstein and whatnot mm-hmm. on Super Nintendo. It's like, ah, but it's just, it's not as good. It's a PC genre, PC genre always. And so this was the first time that GoldenEye on a, on a console or a first-person shooter on a console actually made sense. Now, in hindsight, controls are very wonky. Basically, yeah. I have to stop to be able to aim. Like, I was still kind of learning how to do 3D aiming mm-hmm. 
mentally. I think this taught a lot of people 3D aiming, and then it taught them wrong because yeah. the controls were, ended up being different for dual sticks shooters, <laughs> which we all had to learn. I didn't mm -hmm. like James Bond at the time. This mm -hmm. made me kind of like James Bond oh, because cool. it was a cool opening. I, I loved the the James Bond mm -hmm. sting with the the spotlight and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, that music uh, by Grant Kirkhope uh, in the first level, so good, right? so good. The guitar <laughs> and everything. The um, I was reading some retrospectives on GoldenEye. The level design in that game was really special and mm -hmm. is what really stands the test of time. It was a stealth game, mm -hmm. which is something that a lot of people kind of forget. Full secret stuff, too, like little yeah. secret passages and secret mm -hmm. hidden things and stuff. I really like that about it. Killing a lot of people in bathrooms. Yes. <laughs> yep. Headshots. Yeah. It kind of pioneered headshots oh, in first-person shooters. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, of course, if you were playing with your friends, I mean, if you were playing four players, it was going to run at like 15 FPS, as we're seeing in this B-roll right here. Mm -hmm. But um, it was so much fun to get the proximity mines. Like, we had the friends who were really good with the, the rocket launcher. There were the friends who were mm -hmm. really, really good with just the straight up um, uh, the M16 or whatever. And you could turn off every... You could do a lot of manipulation, right? So you could yeah. just play with yeah. proximity mines. Is that right? Yeah. You could do that? I remember yeah. from Perfect People Dark. would just set mm -hmm. them up and sit... And then you would just laugh because you would see the upper left corner going, uh, dying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you'd be like, ha, ha, Yeah, ha. that's the other thing. You could always see where your friends were. So it was like a very special time. The earliest time. kill cam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a kill cam. It was, it was such a, it was such a place in time. Uh, cause I was quite young, but I played this with a lot of my friends and, and we, we would like get off the school bus and someone would just be like golden guns and facility, uh, no yeah. odd job. And we all were just like, yep. And then we would just go and play the game. And uh, it was just so much fun. I played it again recently. Um, and as much as I loved the game growing up, this has maybe got the award from me personally for maybe like the worst aged game I've ever played. Oh yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, it, it's just, it, and I think a lot of that comes down to just how much first person shooters have evolved since then, especially on consoles. Um, it's just It's just really hard to go back to. Um, but I had like such fond memories of that game. I, I, I remember that game so much more than I remember the movie. Like I, cause I remember someone telling me that, um, I uh, barely remember the movie. I remember the satellite. That's it. Well, cause Sean Bean was 009 That's or something right. like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and someone told me that recently and I was like, Sean Bean is in Goldeneye. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and he dies. I was like, oh yeah. Spoiler. And yeah. I guess that character wasn't that game, but those faces were just so... Yeah, so flat and, a, and that's like right. A random JPEG just on somebody's um, like head, and so I was like, I guess that was Sean. <laughs> How many people saw Tomorrow Never Dies because of Goldeneye? Yeah, I bet that's true. Mm -hmm. There's, I think, I don't like. I wish, like, I sometimes have a fantasy that, like, when I die, I get stats from my life, and like, <laughs> there's a there's a good chance that like Goldeneye might actually be the video game I've spent the most time with in my mm -hmm. entire life. It's probably World of Warcraft, if I'm being honest. But like, we played Goldeneye every single day, just obsessively. Like every single map, every single variation of the weapons and the paintball mode and the big head mode, all of it. And yeah, like you, Colin, we went back and played it for work. I guess even mm -hmm. that's been like four or five years. Yeah. Now. We're like, oh man, Goldeneye, this is gonna be the best day. And it was horrible. Like, <laughs> it was absolutely no fun at all. Like I like I think Kat, you're being really generous to say it's 15 frames per second. I think if it's four <laughs> player, it's more like 12 frames per second. Like it's 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 rough, but like goodness gracious, it was revolutionary for the time. I think I think we're seeing Sean being being karate chopped in the top right. <laughs> Is that Sean Bean? I think that's Sean Bean. Yep. Um, yeah. No, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself another midstream uh, correction. He was 006, so mm -hmm. no one no one comments. I, I corrected myself. He was okay. 006 in that movie. Well, he was probably he, that. I bet he did this and then Boromir back to back because I think Lord of the Rings was filming for like two years right after. Well, actually, because this was two years after 007 Goldeneye already. So, man. Mm. I don't know. He's national treasures in there too. Mm -hmm. Regardless, yeah, right. he probably died in like five films between them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he yeah. made a career out of being good guys that turn out to be bad guys. Yeah. Three movies, three movies in a row. Yeah, and then dying. <laughs> Trustable face. Okay, that brings us to video game twenty questions. Uh, this week's game comes to us from Oshawa comma Ontario, Canada, and uh, Peter submitted this. So 
that helps you, uh, so be it. Uh, to remind everybody, you can ask yes or no questions, you get 20 of them, but yet the 20th one has to be the game guess. So you really have 19 questions to narrow it down. By 20, you gotta make that make that, that the decision. Um, let the questioning begin. Is the game Golden Knight? No. <laughs> um, is this a console exclusive? What if you got it in one question? Wow. Um, that would be incredible. It was not a console exclusive upon release. And normally I'd say yes or no, okay. but I, I, I just don't want to get into it. Gotcha. Did it? Uh, did ahead, wait, sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Let me think about how to say this. The first question you asked, was it a console exclusive? Yes. I have to retract. Man, I'm already screwing this up. I'm so sorry, everybody. So <laughs> upon launch, this was not a console exclusive, as I think how Damon would do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. maybe a PC exclusive um, is probably what he's alluding to. Okay. That's one question. Okay. <laughs> did it come out after 2001? No, it did not. Okay. Uh, okay. Did it come out in the 90s? Yes, it did. Uh, was this made by a developer that is still making games? <laughs> I was really hoping we would have this one. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Interesting. But that's not going to help you at all. <laughs> at all. Okay. So... When this game came out in the 90s, did it come out on the PC? Yes, it did. Um, do we want to try to get a genre? Where do we want to go next? Sure. It's probably, was, Baldur, it's probably Baldur's Gate. Was this game an <laughs> RPG? No, it was not an RPG. Aww. Ooh. Okay, so PC, so it's this real-time strategy is PC-heavy genre. Not that it has to be a PC-heavy genre. I'm just thinking about, like, 90s-era PC mm -hmm. gaming was, like, different well, than what it is today. We've been talking about adventure sure. games. There was a lot of Sims. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot yeah, of tycoon good... games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of adventure games, as Kat pointed out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good one, Kat. Uh, okay. Is it an adventure game? No, not an adventure game. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Real-time uh, strategy? That would be my next guess. My first thought was Blizzard. Honestly. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Same. Mm -hmm. Was it made by Blizzard? No. Well, not Blizzard. Okay. Shoot. Um, That's eight. Mm. If we wanted to try to get, like, tycoon-type games down, would we call those simulation games? What would we put those under? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Is this a simulation game? Yes. Simulation <laughs> game. Okay. I love it. Okay. SimCity. Rollercoaster Tycoon, SimCity, yeah. Zoo Tycoon... Should we should we ask if it has Sim in the name or uh, Tycoon in or the if name? it has Tycoon in the name as two separate potential we, questions? I generally dissuade title questions like, you know, yeah. okay, that's does it start uh, with fine. a C it's, or whatever. You know? it, it sort of bends the there's a gentleman's agreement yeah, uh, when it comes yeah, to 20 fair. questions. That's fair. That's fair. We learned early on that just mathematically it would only take us like five questions to know what letter of the game. <laughs> started with. And okay, so, yeah, that would yeah. be cheap. OK. Hmm. Okay, well, where do we want to go with this? How do we want to hone in? Mm. I mean, yeah. Maybe do you, do you run a facility in this game? Well, <laughs> yeah, or Maxis, like Maxis makes all this, a, a lot of sim pieces. Is this a Maxis game? No. Not Maxis. Mm. Okay. So, not SimCity, not The Sims. Not, that takes a lot of sim games out of, uh, yeah. out of the yeah. picture. The, the 90s, I think. Mm -hmm. That's 10. Should we ask that facility question? Do you run some sort of business in this game? Should I say that? Yeah, Sim. Yeah, it's interesting because Sim is an interesting genre, right? Where like Sim is also like Power Wash Simulator, yeah, which I know is not sure. I know it's not a 90s game, but like yeah. there's these two sides of the Sim game spectrum. That's true. That's true. Um, I feel like that's yeah. more of a modern sim type of thing, but there were also like you know hunting sims and stuff like that on the PC back then. So okay, I'll do yeah. I'll, I'll do I'll do it the way I was I was planning. Do you run some sort of business in this game? Yes. Okay. Cool. Running. So it could be roller coaster tycoon still. Mm -hmm. Do we want to go in that direction? Do we want to ask if you run a theme park? Sure. Do you run a theme park in this game? Yes. <sighs> okay. 
Right. What we... else could it be? I mean, there was, there was, uh, there was. I think there was a game called Sim Theme Park. <laughs> was there really? That's so cheesy. I think there so. was a I Sim everything. Yeah. yeah. Most Maybe, of them were um, bad. Is is Roller Coaster Tycoon the only one that you could remove part of a roller coaster and then jettison people off the roller coaster mid ride? I mean, it's tough to prove the negative, but I mean, we all spent a tremendous amount of time doing that in Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> Can you do what I just described? Can you remove a piece of a roller coaster while people are riding on it? I don't mid- know. <laughs> right. Okay. Sam's not sure. Okay. It's gotta okay. be. It's gotta be Roller Coaster Tycoon. But there are three of them in the '90s. That's you know, true. one one might have snuck into the year 2000. Uh, without asking explicitly if what number is in it, I have no idea how to differentiate between them. Is this the beginning of a series, the first game in a series? Yes, that's 13. Okay, okay. it's almost certainly Roller Coaster Tycoon. But I don't know how to, like... If we go for it, is that the end? Yes, go yeah, for there's it. no second guesses go on the game. Yeah, but we... See, but Kat, I cowboyed it maybe two weeks ago, and then I led us astray. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> It was what just cause it was just cause Uh, two and then the game was three or whatever. That was like your last question, right? For God's sake. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's gotta be real. It's okay. Is it roller coaster tycoon? Yes. Woo! Yeah, it came out March twenty second, nineteen ninety nine for PC. Uh was ported to the Xbox in two thousand three, which I think I remember that being a thing. Like Xbox mm. was like, we got roller coaster checking. You know what else it was ported yeah. to in the two thousands? A pinball machine. What? Of course it was. What? Yeah, it's a so, really. Wait, so it was just a pinball machine, right? It's you just weren't yeah. actually doing any. Yeah, okay. it's just roller coaster ty- tycoon, and uh, you know, it was an interesting game. So the developer question's funny because it was developed by Chris Sawyer, one person. Yeah. Ah, is yeah. he still making games? He did. He ducked back in to make mobile games. Like, that's the most recent, like, entry on, you know, oh, Wikipedia dude. about him. So I don't really know. Like, the answer to that was yes, you know. like. Well, Chris Sawyer, you made a lot of human beings very happy playing this video game. I think so, right? And then uh, published by Hasbro Interactive. Yeah. Lo- I, flash on, I flash on Roller Coaster Tycoon, like, a lot. Like, I think about that game pretty frequently because like there's such a resurgence there was even one at gamescom there was a new that's right there's the uh, meta there's the meta justin yeah there you go but like you know they just there's two point campus and two point hospital and there's um planet uh what was it planet coaster and then there's a new one they announced today like these simi simulation business sim games owe a lot to roller coaster tycoon and it's really really good and I'm, I'm, I wonder, like, I don't know if it's, like, playable on computers in 2022. I would be yeah. interested in playing it again. I, I think Tycoon came up, like, around question seven or eight, which is really well done. So, good work, everybody. That was a good Ooh. one. And that brings us to the show. Uh, that's all the scoops we have for you this week. Uh, thank you, Kat. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Colin. Damon will be back next week. Uh, remember, you can always contact us. Really, you can just contact Damon. He'll forward stuff to us at gamescoop at IGN.com. Uh, this is IGN Gamescoop, and we are at. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.